out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Indeed, if only. Never mind. Thank you, Jim. Hello, welcome. This is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. Always bring you the finest in indie pop and beyond. This week, we have another special guest. This time, it's going to be the world of Psychobilly. Yes, indeed, it is going to be the turn of King King Kurt, because I spoke to the front man, vocalist Gary Smeg Caton, or Clayton. I think Kate and anyway, I've seen it written several different ways. So this is the interview. It's a classic. It's very casual. I think he's eaten at the same time at the beginning. But then we get down to the rock and roll of what what life is like in a band. I hope you enjoy it. This is it. Gary, tell us how it all began and tell us much, much more. Yeah, we're sort of, you know, um, people have gone off and had legal careers and also and some illegal <laughs> yes. and, and and you know just sort of bad children and all sorts of stuff so yes well i think yeah. it, it kind of comes because it's kind of i suppose what's been quite interesting is that i i as i was a fan you know i did recorded the whole john peel show and bought the enemy and all that kind of stuff mm. and um yes just followed the music and i thought god i wish i hadn't played music and been in a band but then speaking to so many people over the last three years who were in bands it all sounded like well perhaps it wasn't such a lot of it wasn't a hundred percent fun all the time there was yeah know. exactly yeah sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's like why would anyone want to fucking do this yes well i think that's yeah. the, that was kind of you know even leo say i remember for a different show i did leo say and i said what would yeah. you say to your eight, 18 year old self and he said don't fucking do it because uh-huh. <laughs> he what was he what was it like the hotel was he cool he was pretty cool because he was coming to the holt festival which is just up in north norfolk and um yeah he was quite chatty someone just uh don't for god's sake mention big brother which i hadn't known anything about him in big oh brother. did he do that well he got into a fight and wanted to leave and then he you can see it on youtube and it all gets really oh. unpleasant and, he, and oh. i i don't follow big brother so i didn't know but i then watched it and saw him getting very upset but he was good you know it was just one of those kind of artist who probably the bigger you make it the the further you have to fall when you realize that you've got no money left and somehow I guess, yeah. you know and then yeah you, you, the ego is all over the place isn't it really with people like mm. that but he was good you know he was a nice guy you know i mean yeah. i mean i'm at that age that you, when i was at primary school you know you'd, you'd hear radio one on the school bus and you'd hear all those songs every day for years so yeah totally from the sweet to Gary Glitter, you know, they were my kind yeah. of... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all the old pedos. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they were the good old days, weren't they? But yes, I, I, want, I wanted to be in Gary's gang and all that stuff. I know, totally. That's, uh, yeah. I avoided it. I was, more of, a, I was a, more of a Slade kid. Yeah. But, uh, but Gary, you know, you couldn't avoid Gary Glitter and Leader and all that sort of thing was, fan, was fantastic. Oh. Rock um, and Roll Part 1 and 2 and... Brilliant. And and obviously, yeah, the, the other band was The Sweet, you know, because yeah. Ballroom Blitz just was amazing. So. Yeah, phenomenal, yeah. So that was good. But then, you know, luckily it was David Bowie was kind of my first love and single, yeah. so um, I avoided that. So what, so, you know, without giving too much away, I'm, I'm sort of, basically I was born in the mid-60s, so were you of a similar age or a bit? 60, I was born in 62. Right, so... Really. Sounds, like, sounds like the start of a song, doesn't it? It was born in, yes. <laughs> <laughs> A kind of rock and roll classic. But, yeah, so when you were obviously growing up, you must have just mm, vaguely sort of caught a bit of the punk scene, but not completely. Uh, well, I was, I was sort of, I was uh, just, I don't know, because of, I, I, I was I was had a sort of uh, visual disability. So um, the punk rock, when it started, was like the ideal thing for me. It was just like fuck off. I don't. I don't need all this bullshit. And uh, and so yeah, I was. I sort of tagged along with that when I was like fucking fourteen or something, nineteen seventy six. Yes. And did and, yeah. and did you always think was music something that you were thinking? God, I've got to do it. Or did it sort of kind of ha- happen in a sort of random way? Well, it was the idea—the idea that sort of anyone should be able to do it, sort of thing—that came with the punk rock idea, and um, 
He said doing you know, in anyone should be able to do it, he said in inverted commas. And uh but uh we weren't very good at all. Uh, but there was a few kids from school and we, we decided that was it, you had to be in a band. And uh I didn't I couldn't afford anything else, so <laughs> I had to be the singer. Excellent. And, uh, and, and what and obviously, you know, in those days, did it sort of come together quite quickly, you know, what sort of music you were going to do and play? Well, it had to, we were just punk rock and we were just kids, 14-year-old kids singing about things that we had no idea about, like sort of, you know, sexual sort of innuendo and stuff that we didn't really understand properly. And yeah. uh, we had silly songs and it was just silly songs that I wrote while I was so sitting in school, not being able to see the blackboard and stuff. So right, my God, that must have been. Yeah, so, so it looked like I was doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you say visual impairment? Yeah, I'm registered blind, basically. So my God. and should have been all my life, but uh, parents didn't really quite get on that one. No, my God. I mean, it must have been horrendous. Which may have been a good thing, to be honest. Yeah, spoken to uh, people. There's a guy, a guy who plays harmonica with the men they couldn't hang. Uh, he's blind as well. He's, he's, he works for the uh, um, guide dogs for the blind. And, uh, and he went to a special school, he said, and he said, you didn't want to go there. So, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, it's a double-edged sword, really. You know, I think some things could have been easier, but then maybe I'd have just become a blinder person, as, as I was talking about with talking about the other day with some other blind people yeah. some people just live their life as blind people and i've lived my life in a way to avoid being blind <laughs> yeah you don't look like a blind person people say how do you look is there a catalogue <laughs> where do i shop <laughs> <laughs> yes where do you sign and and if there was, I'd have found it because I love a bit of shopping. So <laughs> I love a lot of shopping, actually. Excellent. Yes. Well, it is kind of weird, actually, isn't it? I mean, I mean, this is a completely different league. But I was the only kid at school who had as asthma, and I didn't want to be, you know, David with asthma. I didn't want to have that feeling of being somehow like, yeah, kind of giving yeah. that title because it just felt. You know, I hated sympathy. I hated when people go, oh, dear, yeah. you know, and started wanting to stroke you in a weird way. So you thought, no, I'm all right. Just give me a Ventolin, for God's yeah. sake. So it was kind of a weird one, actually. So when, yeah, yeah so when you were, you know, because obviously with with that sort of punk and then post-punk period, and then, you know, that, that as the 80s started to truck on, when did you sort of realise that things were going to be a bit more serious than just playing probably in front of your friends and family and anybody else you could... You know. uh, when I when I I was asked in still in the seventies to to uh, fill in for for a friend of mine uh, a band they were a band called the Plastics it was Nick Sayer who who then went on to Transvision Vamp fame and uh, in fact one of our, our old guitarists played played with them when they played live. And it was quite quite weird because I put I was working at a gig at the academy in Brixton, and uh, the, from the stage came the uh, Destination Zulu Land riff, and oh fucking hell! <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so um, Nick, I was I was walking around and uh, doing nothing, and Nick, I bumped into Nick, and he said, "Oh, uh, Augie, their singers disappeared." Uh, we've got a gig we've got to do. Do Would you be up for doing it? And I was like, yeah. And I knew two songs. <laughs> and uh, and sort of I learned, managed to learn a couple more bits and we did some rehearsals around their friend's flat in Brighton and, uh, and uh, managed to do the gig and had girls had messages from girls that had phoned up, which was like fucking hell, birds. This is the this is the life, <laughs> and uh, and just uh, yeah, discovered all sorts of things that day, yes. and uh, and and that then I had my a little band in Brighton and stuff, and and uh, and then it sort of I moved, 
when I moved to London, sort of uh, met met uh, well one of the Paul, one of the original guitarists was was uh, trying to or had got off with my ex girlfriend, and they were looking for a singer, and uh, and she said, oh, I know somebody. And uh, so bish bash bosh, I went along to see them, and pretended I pretended I didn't give a shit and wasn't interested, but really kind of liked what they were doing. And at, uh, that, and at that stage, had the sort of band sort of started to form quite an identity and not not really, and they, it was sort of mainly friends and family that were going to see them, and uh, and it sort of. Uh, and this guy that was singing at the time, they'd only been going for six months or something. And uh, the guy that was singing at the time was going off to do something or another. And uh, bish, bash, bosh, I sort of, I sort of went along with, with what they were doing. And uh, and it all sort of took off from there, really. I knew it. I'd, I'd quite a lot of friends and blah, blah, blah. And, and they knew people and... And people started to come, and it all sort of got a bit, got a bit mad. Yes. Um, mm. And was that Jeff Harvey that you yeah. were replaced yeah. on vocals? So that yeah. at that stage, and at that stage, you had John um, Reddington. John Red, yeah. Uh, uh, Maggot on sax. And Bert. Paul. Yeah, Bert playing bass, Thwack on guitar, and uh, Rory on drums. Yes. Um, and, and me, me rolling around the floor looking <laughs> looking like I'd been in a fight with a flock of seagulls or something. <laughs> <laughs> did you the, ba- get... the band and the animals. Excellent, yes, I know. We love that hairstyle. But did you at that stage sort of have any idea of what the band were gonna look like and, and your start the general stage well, persona or well, did we that all act- we all actually sort of just looked like it anyway. I turned up and my my had like sort of I was in a point where I was my the greatest thing I could possibly achieve was to be for the to be invisible when I saw myself in the tube window, and uh, so my hair connected up with a big jumper that I got off a friend of mine, and uh, and I just wore a big sort of old nineteen thirties coat, but always buttoned up, and so it was just this sort of mass that sort of and and on the tube you couldn't see anything it was just black and and that was kind of the uh the idea and uh, but and everybody had sort of quite curious hairstyles and and uh the penchant for dressing up in ladies clothes (laughs) (laughs) yeah man ain't a man unless he's worn women's clothing (laughs) (laughs) and did you all sort of when you've met each other, did you all feel a bit like kindred spirits? Did you sort of think oh, we got so much in common? Yeah, Paul had a bottle of whiskey in the in his uh, dodgy old suit pocket, and so yeah, that was kind of a. And we went to a record party, and uh, there was some poor student people having a party, and we found all the jelly and ice cream and stuff, <laughs> and it all sort of kicked off into that and. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it was. Yeah, we were all sort of of, of a, a similar mind. We all liked similar music, and, and you know, I was a big fan of the Cramps because I'd been into sort of the punk rock thing, and then discovered rockabilly, and so I was sort of the, in this sort of limbo, and uh, everywhere I went, I was picked on by everybody because I didn't look like either, and. Uh, I used to go to TED clubs and stuff, and what the fuck are you doing here? You don't belong here. Look at you. And uh, if, with suggestion of his bondage trousers, a big pair of boots, and a you know box jacket, and a bright red flat top. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off! You don't belong here. But uh, yeah, so we were, all, you know, we we're all sort of and uh, into we'd all sort of come out. We'd all come out of the punk rock thing, and. Uh, and sort of the Stooges and and uh, and the rockabilly sort of, sort of thing. I was listening to sort of fucked up old British rockabilly stuff that was kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then as I said, Johnny Burnett, obviously. And then 
course the cramps came along which made that sort of like fuck yes and uh, I went to see him in, in, in the venue at Victoria it's not not there anymore uh, in 1978 I think and uh, it was fucking awesome Was that the um, moment you thought this is it this is the mission because up to then I suppose the psychobilly scene was still in its infancy There wasn't one <laughs> <laughs> So that um, so what the was meteors, the meteors were only just sort of give, thinking about it at that point. I think Fennec was still a Ted, <laughs> and uh, and it's sort of uh, yeah, and uh, meteors started sort of seventy eight, seventy nine, I think. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not really I really like the the their first thing. Meteor Madness was fantastic. Nigel Lewis, great songwriter, blah blah blah. In fact, I just we just we were having dinner in Spain with uh, with Woody, the original drummer. This this weekend gone. Yeah, my God, and, and you must have, you must have sort of been vaguely reminiscent that you sort of managed to get through it, survive it, and lived a tale yeah. tale, which is well, he's a he's a posh accountant these days, isn't he? <laughs> posh rock and roll accountant. My God, he managed to do the exams. My God, that's uh, yeah. That's Lives in, they live in a chateau in France somewhere. Nice. So when, yeah. because when you brought out the single, which kind of obviously went, you know, you must have been a bit surprised how quickly it went up the charts. That oh, was really? that was on Stiff Records. So was you know the, yeah. the famous Dave Robinson? Was he sort of already sort of looking at the band and looking for other acts to? Uh, I guess yeah, and. and and we had the, the the independent singles Ulu Beat first, which we went mental. It was like number one for five years or something, uh, on on and off in the in the independent charts. And then I think Robbo saw that and thought, "Yes, I saw you have a gold these boys." <laughs> and fucking uh, so off off it went. Uh, we 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 done um, we did some demo stuff. For um, EMI, but uh, the uh, manage, managing director at the time, his wife was a vegetarian or something, and uh, had seen something about rabbits, and uh, decided that that wasn't for him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so uh, we didn't get signed to EMI, but uh, then. Stiff were interested as well, and I think Stiff were better for us, really. Yes, I would imagine so. That was good. I did an interview with Dave Robinson. He's quite a character, isn't he? Yeah, he is. His quality is super cool. <laughs> he used to tell me, "Stop picking your pocket nose in my office." <laughs> picking me nose. <laughs> I know because I've, I'm, you know, there's a couple of artists I've always loved, and one's David Bowie, the other's Lemmy, and he, you know, because I think Motorhead yeah. did a song, and he said, yeah. "Trouble is with Lemmy, he was incredibly lazy," which I'm not sure. But anyway, there you go. So when you when was you called them, he, he was he, he liked her, he liked what we did, and he was always very encouraging, and he had good advice. Yes, well, I've always loved listening to Lemmy's advice. It's it's kind mm. of worth worth listening to. So when you got your first album together, did that sort of did you record that in a really super quick time? I mean, I just wondered if because it was you know I think we did it we did it in a week with Dave Edmonds. Um. Where was it? We did it at a studio called Eden out in West London. And uh, it was sort of the beginnings of digital recording. It was recorded on a massive sort of Betamax type tape. Um, and Dave Robinson just sort of sat there eating tandoori chicken and drinking Ruddles County. And... Uh, he had a really good engineer, Australian guy, Kerry Taylor, and uh, blah, blah, blah. It was fun. And we, yeah. we were very excited by it, and that sort of, wow, oh, now this is mental. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Did you sort of, um, was that an amazing surprise when you suddenly held the vinyl record in your hand? Think, my God, I've come. Yeah. This... We've done that. We've done We've that. Done that. So when you started playing live, did you suddenly have an instant sort of audience there for you? No, well, I mean, it was as I say, it was mainly friends and family at the beginning, and then so, but it did sort of take off quite quickly. 
But then anything with me in it's going to take off quite quickly, isn't it? <laughs> this is true. Because <laughs> uh, having done, you know, been doing this show for a while, I realise it's kind of this five-year narrative most bands have where they get together and they have about two years faffing about and, and then create a sound that they think, oh, that's good, and they get the single. And, you know, not everybody, but some people will get the John Peel play, then a session with John mm. Peel. That first album, they do a bit of a tour around the country. Things are going well. The second album, and then things get tricky if anybody ever does kind of america they seem to come back broken and and just hate mm. each other so had you you sort of went from the you know your first album to then big cock how was how was, yeah. how, how was um how did that go because often you know you had a there was three year gap so i just wondered how that sort of process was going with the dynamic of the band well um john and robert left uh, after pretty much after the first tour really where um, there was a sort of friction between the drummer and them, and, uh, and so they, they left. I was going to leave as well, but was talked out of it over a, a copious amount of beer. And, uh, um, remember, and, and so Jim and Dick came on board, and uh, we went for all of, we did and we did big cock with them. Uh, with oh, wasn't Pat, was it Pat Collier? Might have been Pat Collier. Some of it was with Pat Collier, I think. Right. Who's also a very nice man. Yes. From, and, uh, and were you still on Stiff Records at this stage? No, we we did that on our own because we we parted company with Stiff. And uh, and uh, blah blah blah. Freaking ended up. <laughs> me and Maggot owed so much money for uh, hotel damages and stupid shit. But uh, we part of company was stiff for a bit, and then uh, we we funded this on our own. And uh, I don't know how, but we did, and uh, probably out of t-shirts or something, and. Uh, Bish bash bosh, uh, Robbo saw it and liked it, and uh, hence the sort of poster campaign. Massive, I think he just liked the idea, it was called Big Cock, and he could get away with with huge posters everywhere saying Big Cock, King Kurt's Big Cock is coming, <laughs> King Kurt's Big Cock is out. Excellent. Get King Kurt's Big Cock in here. <laughs> And, and stupid stuff like that. It's just stoned fucking men in their early 20s fucking thinking, how can we fuck this up for ourselves even more than we have already? <laughs> so, you, yes, but then did you do much of a tour for that particular album? Because it wasn't long before the band split up, wasn't it? In the no, we did, yeah, we did quite a lot with with Big Cock, actually. Um, um, and then sort of... I can't remember that came out, probably that was 84, 80, yeah, it would have been 84 or something. And uh, we, did, we did a lot of stuff with that. And then it all sort of went a bit weird again. And then we had five years off. And uh, John Curd was, was trying trying to get us to do stuff. And I sort of went, oh, fucking hell, I'll ask. And... Uh, so we we did the Astoria thing in uh, 92 or 3, 87, 88, 89, 1991, 92, yeah. And, uh, and it sold out. It was like, fucking hell. And uh, we did a couple of those. And, um, and then we did the Poor Man's Dream album when, with Daniel playing drums, phenomenal drummer. And uh, and uh, Billy playing bass, who used to be with the Blubbery Hellbellies. Right. And uh, yeah, and 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 we just had the one guitarist. So it's Billy playing bass, Daniel drums, uh, Paul guitar, maggot saxophone, and uh, and me. I think mean, it was only five of us then. Yeah. And. Uh, didn't seem to get any more money though. 
Because that's the one thing that, you know, it's, I haven't spoke to every band has the same kind of issues with publishing and ownership of music. Did you manage to navigate that at all well or was that? Not really, personally, no. <laughs> but I still get little tiny dribbles of PRS, which is sort of uh, like, so, no, no, when I say dribbles, I mean dribbles. Yeah, sixty pound a year, mostly. And and you and that cat dribbles more than fucking the PRS does into my account, and these testicles have are long gone. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yes, because your that album, Poor Man's Dream, that was on Demon Records, though, wasn't it? Yes, unfortunately. Was that a disaster? Mm, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Because <laughs> they, well, they do. I, I went there. I said, I went up there. I said, well, well, you know, what are you going to do? Because uh, I, 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 just before we signed that deal, I, I was doing, well, actually, while, while we were sort of looking at signing it, I was doing an uh, access to law course. So I'd, I'd sort of, you know, I'd been sort of doing all this stuff. And I was like, well, let me look at it. Let, let me look at the contract. Oh, you don't fucking know anything. <laughs> so, well, fucking let me look at it. So I got some magnifying glasses and, and went through this contract. And uh, I was like, well, it doesn't say they're going to do anything for us. It doesn't say they're going to promote it. It doesn't say they're going to, you know, there's nothing nothing in here that says that they're going to do anything other than fucking, like, sort of, put it in their warehouse <laughs> and uh and i so i went up, i went up there and i said you know what what what's what are you gonna do and the geezer's gone oh, you know and uh he said leave it with me and uh come back and come back next week and we'll, we'll have a proper talk i went back the next week and he's gone oh i didn't realize you'd done all this stuff I didn't realise you charted and and been on the telly and done this. I said, "Well, what what kind of fucking record company are you running?" <laughs> and and it was just basically they just used to put stuff out for dead people, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, and uh, we kind of through a friend sort of got railroaded into that, and everybody just went, "Oh well, fucking, we got to get it up." And I said, "Well, we're wasting an album." And, and we did. You know, there was no, there was nothing that told anyone that there was a new album out by King Kurt. And I think it, had that have been, had that been the case, it might have been a different story. Yes. But, you know, but I think there's some good songs on it, and uh, you know, it was certainly played very well. Yeah, but then that's a, that's a really difficult album to get hold of, isn't it? It's quite, it's it's not so. I know because they they fucking I don't know I just don't get it. I, it was mad. It was just a mad. It was just like we went we record we, we hired a load of uh, of uh, like sort of mobile recording equipment and we did it in a boot up above a boozer in Deptford that we used to go to and uh, bish bash bosh it sort of. You know, we we put put a lot of effort into it, put money into it. It was done well. It was, you know, we produced it with Neil Brockbank, who's now dead. But and uh, and it just sort of, you know, we might as well have not bothered in a way because it it didn't. Very few people got to know that it existed. So yeah. and the whole like, idea of recording an album, you know, is is to give it to people so they can listen to it. Absolutely. You know? So then was that it for you and the band? Did you sort of... No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so we sort of, we parted along for a bit and then uh, then Paul moved out to Canada and uh, we he sorted a gig for us out there in Toronto. And uh, I really liked it there, and so did Maggot, and uh, and so we thought, fuck it, we'll go out there. So with me and me and Maggot, fucking pissed off to uh, Toronto, um, we didn't really do anything while we were there either. Just did little bits and bobs. He he was busy sort of building his uh, his career as a faux finisher and stuff. <laughs> 
and uh, and I just sort of potted around drinking and uh, for six months, then came back here for a year, nearly a year, and then went back again. Then we did a little tour in Germany, which went very well with uh, Los Gusanos, uh, CJ Ramon's band at the time. <laughs> and I just seen that he's playing on the same day as us on at Rebellion. So it might be quite interesting if he's still got the same band. Yes. It should be quite a laugh. And and the Lunar Chicks, which was super cool, they're just funny as fuck. Yes. They um, they were a classic band. So then you know, because people like John had sort of gone off and become a solicitor, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a, he was a trademarks lawyer, one a very, a very sought-after trademark lawyer in London, yeah. Yes. Was that a surprise? Because that seems to be like, wow. No, because he's a very clever man. And uh, and he likes to, he, he always liked a bit of a bit of an argument, <laughs> a bit of a tear-up. Yes. And, uh, so he sort of went to do it in a, in a legal way. Blimey O'Reilly. Yes. <laughs> And then, and then you kept the band going beyond then. Uh, yeah, sort of. There was a, we were supposed to do another tour, and there were some issues. And and when we, me and Alan and and uh, Paul were still in Canada, and it was all, it was all ready to go and all this sort of thing. And then suddenly Paul turned around in one of his awkward moments and went, "I don't want to do it." And, <laughs> Oh, if you don't listen to this, because you get the right up. But uh, uh, yeah, so and then uh, and then Maggot said, "Well, I don't want to do it no either." And so, fucking, so it all went tits up. And cause at that time, I was sort of like, "I can't do it on my own." And uh, so that sort of went by the by. And uh, I was, I got caught as an being illegal because I'm too stupid to go walk across a bridge when I was working in Niagara Falls and uh, and uh, got caught out and I and I was sort of pretty low ebb. I was sitting watching a hockey game in the pub where I used to get free beer, which was very nice actually. And uh, and this and a, f- a friend of mine, Rockabilly guy, said, Hey, I just want some money for I'm holding and blah blah blah. Let's go. Let's go on a tear up, and uh, I was like, "Oh no, I just I'm going home," and I was staying with Maggot and his his ex wife. Well, she's now ex wife, and uh, and and uh, blah blah blah. So I was I was going to go home. He said, "Well, you know, I'm going down the bovine. You know where I'll be." La la la. Uh, I was just about for, just about to drain me the rest of me pint, and he comes running back in. Going, oh, there's geezers, there's geezers looking for you, man. And, uh, and I thought, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? And I said, what sort of geezers? He said, fucking big skinhead English guys. I thought, oh, no, skinheads. Oh, what have I done? And uh, he said, they gave me, they put me in a taxi and told me to bring you back. So I thought, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. I jumped in this taxi with him. And it's literally 100 yards down the road. And uh, we walked through the door, and these four four big skinned looking geezers with a drink in each hand, just standing in the doorway, going, "Offer him drink." And uh, they took me on a two week bender. And I and I said, uh, "Well, at the end of it, I'm saying, fucking hell, you've really done me a favour. I was at a really low ebb, and I, I, I was." I, I, was, I knew I had to come back here, and I really wasn't looking forward to it. And uh, and they really cheered me up, mate. Sort of made me feel like it was it was a good thing again. And uh, and I said, well, "Is there anything I can do for you?" And they said, "Yeah, you can play at a rally." And I said, uh, "Yeah, I would, but I haven't got a band." Don't worry about that. We'll find you a band. <laughs> and they. Did. And they did, and uh, and it all started off from there again, and slowly it sort of got more and more original members. And Eli is, is a is has been doing it now for longer than most of the original members. And 
and Gaff has been with us for over 10 years as well. And the rest of it is original members. John's now playing the saxophone instead of guitar, keeping it in the family. Uh, Paul's still playing guitar. And, uh, and Robert's back playing bass when when he can when he can find the time when he's not playing with menace. <laughs> Bloody hell, that's an amazing story. So the original band have almost got back together. Yeah, yeah. It's per, apart from Maga and, and Big Nose, Rory, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's the original. There's four original members now. My God. And and and, and, and Maga is is sort of John keeps trying. Saying to him, "Why don't we do sort of, you know, you play tenor and I'll play out. Uh, you play tenor and I'll play um, what's the other word? Baritone, and and we'll have like a fucking sax section. <laughs> but he, you know, he's he's got his business and all that sort of thing. He, he's he's not really that bothered. Yes. So with, uh, with so with John, <laughs> I find it fascinating that he was this kind of like incredibly." Legal lawyer type. I mean, does it? Did he? Was he missing the? Yeah, the trademark lawyer. Did he? Um, was he missing the music so much, and is now just wanting to sort of juggle both, well, he, both he worlds? Did, he was doing bits with uh, with um, Chubby Latouche and his band of whores, and uh, he also played saxophone, which he's told me. I said. With a band called, uh, oh God, what are they called? What's Russ the Mussy's band? Oh, the Daff Valley Surfers. And I said, "Why on earth are you doing that?" And he said, "Well, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm, and I'm, you know, just it's, a, it's a tool sort of thing. And uh, so, and it worked." Yes. And, and I, me and him sort of go out for, I think we were out for one of his posh dinners. And uh, and uh, I, he sort of, I said to him, come on, let's do it. Do it. Just have a go. And so he's gone and he, go, he you know, goes from strength to strength. He's, he's really into playing the, the saxophone and he does it indoors and he listens to saxophone music relentlessly and, and he just sort of is really into it. He prefers to Eli was saying, "Well, don't you want to play guitar again?" <laughs> and he said, no, "No, no interest in it at all. That's your job." And uh, and I really like doing this. So, is it a better band now than it was when you first started? Uh, it depends, really. I define better. I think. I think sort of. The youthful energy and and ridiculous uh, sort of the f- how prepared we were to do absolutely anything that was ridiculous, just to try and fuck everything up. Uh, we don't quite have that sort of uh, the zeal for that these days, but but it is a very I think I think at the moment we're musically we're probably the best we've ever been. You know, everybody's sort of doing doing their job at, at a sort of fairly high level, and just uh, you know, covers covers for me. Yes, and <laughs> and does it and and is it the case that you're sort of also picking up new fans as well as probably dragging a few of the other? Yeah, the original? I, th- I think so. I mean, there was there. Were, people at the weekend that had never seen never seen us and were sort of coming up and saying that was awesome and there was people that had come all the way from australia and they only came to see us and i was thinking fucking hell (laughs) and fortunately we were sort of all fairly sober and uh and uh everything went went to plan yes Which is amazing. I mean, it is kind uh, of generally, yeah. <laughs> and will you be recording new material? On you know, have you got things like you know, like it, let's do a new album because frankly, we need. There's there's plan. There are there's been a plan for the last blooming five years, and I've written little bits and bobs, and, for, and we've sort of gone around the pools and stuff. We've done little bits and bobs, and it sort of like seems kind of cool, and then it sort of goes 
goes back on the back burner. And then now John's very sort of keen to do stuff. And uh, if we don't do something, he'll beat us all up, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> and with your, and, and you know, you said at the beginning, you know, your blindness. Is that something that is just kind of, it's not deteriorating anymore? It's just kind mm-hmm. of... And, and it, it does, but it's so slow that it's sort of almost um, unrecognisable as, as deterioration. But it's only when you go back over things that you used to be able to see and uh, and then it sort of becomes apparent. But, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing because I was only registered a couple of years ago and it's sort of, it's quite, it's a, you know, it's a therapy thing <laughs> which is sort of ongoing. I feel like blooming uh, Larry David sitting there looking having a little moan up and stuff. Yes. But it's, it's kind of a, a therapy is quite interesting. I've never done it before and it was quite, and, and I did need it. I was a very angry, blind person for a little while and uh, and I needed to do something about it. And did you, and do you feel like you've let things go or have managed to process stuff? Uh, I'm getting there. So it's, uh, some of it, I'm not quite as angry as I was last year, the year before. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you learn, because I've had it all my life, you learn sort of all these tricks to avoid it and to deny it and to to pretend that you're not sort of thing. And uh, the tricks are really useful in some ways, but in other ways they can be quite detrimental. And uh, and sort of is is trying to sort of balance out the uh, the trickery. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's never affected me as a as a ridiculous leaping about idiot. I haven't fallen off the stage, touch wood, because of it. Which is the first question people generally ask. Yeah, have you ever fallen off the stage? Uh... Well, no. <laughs> Oh God, that would be boring, wouldn't it? That would be a bad one. Uh, well, it would probably be quite quite painful as well. Yes. Well, I suppose you would look, um, I don't know, a bit like Iggy Pop, probably, you know, probably doing it del- vaguely, deliberately, in a slightly yeah, in a messy, messy sort of way. And what I mean, because it's kind of boggling, you know, life in a band, and you've obviously this has been your sort of life. Like, your <laughs> it's life. been my life. It's ruined. I'm wasting my life. <laughs> but, but the good thing is you're, you're sort of doing it and still laughing at it, which must be yeah, quite a relief. Cool. It's just, you know, like I say to people when they say, they say, oh, thank you and all this sort of thing, like, well, thank you. If it, if it weren't for you, we'd never been out, don't do it in the first place. And without, without you we and you as well, we can't. We can't do it, and and that's what allows me to be behave like a fucking ridiculous teenager every now and again, and and you know go to silly places and 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 you know yes have a, have a laugh with my mates, which is and, amazing. Uh, yeah, and, and and super full. You know, I'm fucking fifty seven and a half years old, and uh, and and I'm in. Uh, in a f- very good place, and and I'm um, and uh, and part of the reason that I'm in a good place is that I'm I'm allowed to do stuff like that. It's, it's uh, you know unbelievable, really. And and the one thing that's kind of been happening a lot now is these kind of festivals. So obviously you must get a chance to meet a lot of other people who have been through it as well. Do do you find that <laughs> they hate me? <laughs> No, yes, we do. Yeah, we, and and it's sort of, you know, sort of uh, as as you get older, you sort of. I mean, we were just sort of like, as a band, we were like a wild animal, and and it was like sort of fucking everybody's out, everybody's fucking trying to do the same thing as we are. We're fucking not, we're, ah, fucking, ah. and and we hated everybody. <laughs> And because uh, everyone's a competition, and fucking yeah, they're, they're going, they're trying to get the same antelope as we are, and we're fucking not having that sort of thing. And uh, 
and uh, and now we're sort of you know what is it fucking matter? we're old men and so this uh, the psychobilly scene you know sort of we're kind of friendly with other people and not not some of the others but um, and when you know we do rebellion and other festivals and stuff and you you meet other bands you know fucking the Alabamas and stuff and um silly things and and misbehave with them <laughs> and uh and uh the damned we see quite regularly and uh fucking captain sensible comes in like fucking young mr grace <laughs> oh you've all done very well and uh Yes, it's just kind of cool. And we see old friends as well, Big Arthur. He plays with 999 and stuff, and we see him, and Charlie Harper. Charlie's missus was at, at the Psycho Billy meeting this this weekend gone. And, uh, yes. I, you know, just sort of, uh, we used to see Lemmy, and I still feel a bit mean because when we were in Los Angeles he was supposed to be coming coming to see us when we, we did the Henry Fonda Theatre another festival thing and uh, and Gaff is friends with him as well and and we were like well fucking I said have you heard from him and he's like no and we were like well fucking fucking hippie so we're <laughs> belling him up oi hippie where are you and uh, fucking no response, no response. So we went down the rainbow and we were fucking in there. We're absolutely hammered. A friend of ours drove us over there. Um, me and Gaff were drinking pints of gin and tonic. Um, he was drinking pints of Jack Daniels and Coke. I was drinking pints of gin and tonic. And we were sitting there thinking, well, he's got to come in at some point, and he fucking he lives over the road and he, he lives in here. And uh, then somebody, we bumped into somebody and said, oh, no, he's in fucking hospital. And I was like, oh, no, we're just sending loads of messages, you fucking lazy hippie cunt. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so that, that was the last last year of my voice, was you lazy hippie cunt. Get your ass over here now. So was that 2015 when he died? Yeah, well, it's just before. It was because I think he... It was, they did a tour, a bit of a tour just after that. He came out of hospital and he was all right for a little while and then he died after that. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, could we just erase that tape? Whoops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that voice, that voicemail. Uh, you, you remember that? Um, it wasn't me. No. <laughs> Oh well, he would have laughed. That's the yeah. He would have done. He, he would have found it highly amusing. It would have been good. Yeah. And just lastly, I mean, I mean, it's kind of a bit random, but what would you kind of say to an eighteen-year-old self, kind of beginning the world of rock and roll or psychobilly? Eighteen-year-old me. Yes. <laughs> Wake up, you silly little sausage. Eighteen. <laughs> uh, what's that? Was it eighteen? Fucking taking the piss, basically. Get pull your finger out and fucking. Get on with it properly. Yes, which would be my uh, my advice to myself now, because I, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with my child through through my therapy. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any. I wouldn't say don't fucking do it. I wouldn't say because I'd never have listened anyway. And um, I maybe we we had some great advice from Messrs. Godley and Cream, which has always stuck with me. All things in moderation. Nice. Which, uh, yeah, which has worked for me. Excellent. Well, look, you've been touring quite a bit this year, so you've still got dates coming up, haven't you, as well? Yeah, we've got Rebellion coming up. We're, we're, uh, we're on the Sunday on the, on, on the same stage as the Dwarves. Which is quite, I find highly amusing, and probably we're going to be quite drunk, and there will be the word dwarf mentioned quite a lot. But uh, yeah, and the damned are on the same day, so we'll probably go and look at them and the skids and the professionals. And 
test tubes are on a bit before us, but Peter will probably be uh, stage managing our stage if he can get his belly through the door. <laughs> a delightful image. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I saw him naked once in Germany. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. No, etched into into my mind and we were sitting in his dressing room drinking all his rider <laughs> who the fuck are you cunts doing here drinking the rider <laughs> see you later <laughs> yeah uh, unfortunately we had to see him naked but we did drink all their rider so. yes probably helped anyway look gary look when i do this show and i put this together i'll i'll send you a link and then you can put it on i don't know okay, your, cool. your social media but it's been fantastic and i'm pleased to eventually track you down and and do this interview because yeah it, it's, it's good yeah. and um i hope it all just goes brilliantly and i'm so pleased you've got the original band still rocking because that is quite yeah. an amazing feat not many bands have done it no, there's quite a lot of bands where there's only one left, isn't there? <laughs> and <laughs> and like, somewhere there's none left. Yes. Like, like the blooming, uh, what is it, the old, uh, um, oh, God, uh, flipping Wilco Johnson's old lot, Dr. Feelgood. Oh, that's there, right, there's, yeah. There's nobody in it, is there? It's just a franchise. <laughs> go and be in, yes, so, go. And the one that the one there is only one left that's absolutely phenomenal is uh, Rutz DC with Sexy doing it, and he's doing a phenomenal job. And they they'd both be Paul and uh, and what's his name would be very uh, pleased that he's doing it. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. He's very and he does it very very well, and he's such a nice man. Sex as well. He's cool, super cool guy. Yes, I think if you can survive it. Most people turn out to be all right in the end, don't they? Yeah, some. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mentioning any names, but there are some people that haven't improved their attitude at all. Oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, no and, one... and everybody that knows us and knows me will know who I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, you better keep that one. I'll anyway, my tip for yes, top tier. Anyway, I'll probably not meet them. But anyway, look, thanks a lot, Gary, and Never I'll keep enough. in touch. Okay, mate, take care. Thank you very much for your, uh, thank you very much for your interest and and uh, cheers, man. Thanks. Yeah, I'll... without without you and and the other people that support it, it it's, it's nothing, is it? So this is true. But look, I hope it goes really well at the thanks rebellion. Thanks for fucking my life up. <laughs> yes anyway look take care cheers yeah and, we'll um, do. and you and i'll keep in touch okay take care bye-bye yeah nice one ta-da